In this episode of Fictional Hangover, we talk about the many types of velvet. That bears and wolves are different. The desperate need for enunciation. And, P.S., she's dead. In our discussion of New Moon by Stephanie Meyer. P.S., she's dead. You sound like you're inferring that Stephanie Meyer's dead. <laughs> Stephanie Meyer's not dead. She's not dead. That would be really upsetting to a lot of people. Hey, everybody. Welcome to Fictional Hangover, a podcast about young adults and new adults, books, series, authors, and voice actors that is full of spoilers. I'm Amanda. And I'm Claire. And today we're going to discuss New Moon by Stephanie Meyer. Standard disclaimer. If you haven't read this book or watched the movie, I, I got nothing for you. Please remember that Fictional Hangover is all about spoilers. If you haven't read or listened and don't want to be spoiled, stop listening to us and go read or listen to the book or watch the movie, then come back. If you haven't done this but want to pretend that you have, or if you don't care about spoilers, or if you just like the show so much that you don't care about any of that, then listen up. <laughs> I mean, it's Twilight. What? It- Everyone has to listen and, and read and love Twilight. And watch Twilight. You have to. Yes. In the spirit that is meant. Ridiculousness. <laughs> oh, gosh. I mean, there's only a couple of things that I latched onto this time in writing the summary. And one of them was not smoking hot Billy Burke slash Charlie. So I need to ask you, oh. do we need to fix that? He will forevermore be smoking hot Billy Burke slash Charlie. If anything, he's probably even more smoking hot Billy Burke slash Charlie. That's true. That is true. Control. Yeah, I did. I did. I did. I did it. I also hope that when it comes to the time, Jacob is known as shirtless Jacob. No, I'm sorry. It's no. I I latched onto something else with Jacob. You'll just have to see. Let's just get, give me the background information. I need to find out. Otherwise, I'm going to start scrolling. (laughs) So I took this information from stephaniemeyer.com, the story behind New Moon. And I really appreciated that she did some research because, you know, some... End of sentence. (laughs) Yeah. Well, I mean, last time I was really upset with the uh, math of travel and... The fact that it is not as heavy downpour rainy as she says that it is. Weather stereotyping Right, yes, weather stereotyping was a big issue that we had in the last one. So this one I appreciated because there was a little bit of research done. And it's about the Quileute legends that Jacob tells Bella about. And this goes back to Twilight, actual, the first book, um, chapter 6, and they're all they're all real stories, which I appreciate. They are all genuine Quileute stories that she learned when she was researching about the tribe. And it's because it's a real tribe and they're real people. And Lapush is a real place and everything about it is real. So all of the Quileute legends, except for the vampire myth about the cold ones, that's that's not true. But she did latch onto the wolf story, and the actual Quileute legend 
It claims that the tribe descended from wolves, but they were wolves transformed by a sorcerer, which is infinitely mm. better. But I feel like you can't throw yeah. sorcery into Twilight because it's just it does it doesn't fit. But I wish it's that's going to ratchet up a little yeah. bit too much. Yeah, but I really appreciate that, and she says. It fit with her sketchy knowledge of vampires and werewolves always being at each other's throats. And then she says, ha ha, pun intended. <laughs> Which I appreciated. On your puns. Yes, but then one thing that I that I really loved the most is that the actual Quillute legends are in sorcery. <laughs> Makes me happy. Magic. Yes. <laughs> anyway, that's the background info I provided this time. Sorcery. Background <laughs> sorcery. Background sorcery provided by our researchers. Yes. Sorcer- research sorcery sorcery researcher. Resorceries. Resorcery. Yes. <laughs> it's like. Let's just move on. <laughs> <laughs> oh no! It's going to be one of those. It is. Episodes. It is going to be one of those episodes. <laughs> fine and I feel like we should just move right on into the summary and just skip over initial thoughts because who can remember their initial thoughts about New Moon the first time you ever read it I can barely remember what I had for my dinner tonight never mind when I first read New Moon alright so let's just do it just do it do it do it Bella Swan is walking through one of her most favourite places A beautiful, sunlit meadow in the middle of the trees in dreary, cloudy Forks, Washington, where she saw her boyfriend, vampire Edward Cullen, sparkle in a sleeveless white button-down shirt for the first time. (laughs) So hot. Across the meadow, Bella sees her grandma and waves, and her grandma, who's dead P.S., waves back and walks closer. As they're getting closer to each other, Edward sparklingly comes to greet them. But no! Grandma will see him sparkling! Edward doesn't seem to mind and smiles as he reaches out to put his arm around Bella. As Bella introduces her grandma to her boyfriend, she notices her grandma is acting weird, probably because she's dead, and mimicking every move Bella makes. Bella wakes from her nightmare when she realizes that it's not her grandma she's seeing, but herself as an old, old lady with a handsome, sparkling young vampire boyfriend. (laughs) I'm proud of myself for only laughing once. (laughs) I had to mute myself because I was just gone. (laughs) She's dead, (laughs) Pierce. She's dead, (laughs) Pierce. That broke me. <laughs> okay, sorry. Bella. <laughs> Professionalism. Bella wakes on her birthday and she's not at all happy about being a year older than Edward now. She was... <laughs> sorry, I've just... You've broken already. <laughs> Freaking first paragraph and you broke me. Right. I'm proud of myself. Bella wakes up... <laughs> you should be. Bella wakes on her birthday and she's not at all happy about being a year older than Edward now. She rushes to avoid smoking hot Billy Burke slash Charlie and the presents he gives her and goes to school where she is greeted by Edward and his sister, Alice. 
Alice tries to make a big deal about Bella's birthday, but she grumbles instead. Alice insists that Bella come over after school, and Bella says she has to work, but Alice got her out of that. And then she says she has to watch Romeo and Juliet for class, so Edward says he'll bring her over around 7 o'clock. Edward and Bella go to class, which they have all together now because Edward flirted with the old ladies in the office. They sit with Jessica, Mike, Angela, and the other human friends at lunch because the rest of the Cullens, which are not called Hales anymore for whatever reason, have graduated. School ends, and Edward drives Bella home in her truck, complaining about its radio and how much he'd like to get her an Audi instead. Bella and Edward watch Romeo and Juliet, and he recites all the lines to her. Oh, and that's sweet. But then, after it's over, they talk about how easy suicide is, but not for the vampires. Oh. Mm. Edward tells Bella about the Volturi, the elegant, classic Italian vampires from Carlisle's painting that he lived with for a while, but couldn't convince to turn vegetarian, so he left. Smoke and hot Billy Burke slash Charlie comes home just before Edward takes Bella to the Cullen house for her birthday party and suggests Bella take the camera she got for her birthday to take pictures because Rennet wants to see them. Smoke and hot Billy Burke slash Charlie also says to say hi to Alice, who he is completely smitten with, justifiably so, because she helped Bella shower after she nearly died. <laughs> The party at the Cullen house is extravagant, with roses and a big cake and crystal plates and presents, one of which is a new sound system for Bella's truck that Emmett is excited about. As Bella opens a second gift, she gets an extremely bloody paper cut, which causes Jasper to go bonkers. Edward throws Bella across the room into a pile of dishes, and she gets even bloodier, and then all the vampires, minus Carlisle, want to eat her. Everyone leaves while Carlisle doctors Bella, during which he talks about turning Edward at his dying mother's behest. Carlisle doesn't regret changing Edward, but thinks Edward won't change Bella because he's worried about her mortal soul. Ugh. That old can thing. I just can I just tell you that I envisioned this scene from Dracula Dead and Loving It when Renfield gets the paper cut and he's like blood is going everywhere all over the place. He's like, Oh, it must have nicked a vessel and blood is just that's what I imagined happening. That's what should have happened. <laughs> Especially in the movie. Yes. Oh, oh nicked a vessel. Oh. <laughs> Edward takes Bella home and he's very awkward and stiff and Bella can't tell he's different she thinks he's just upset about Jasper nearly eating her and that he'll get over it but he doesn't school is weed the next couple of days because Edward is brooding and Alice isn't there because she's with Jasper after school and work at Mike Newton's family sporting goods store, Edward comes over, stoically pauses for photos, and watches sports with smoking hot Billy Burke slash Charlie. Wow, it's just so awkward. It is. That entire situation. Yeah, it is. Bella opens the rest of her birthday presents and gets a CD of Edward playing piano and tickets to see Renee in Jacksonville. Edward goes home, which is odd because he usually stares at Bella all night. Everything is just like really weird oh, right yeah. now. The next day, Bella thinks things are getting back to normal when Edward asks to come over after school, but she's exceptionally wrong. 
Edward so takes her out into the woods behind her house and tells her his family is leaving Forks and he doesn't want to be with her anymore. Bella is relatively cool about this because she doesn't think she's good enough for Edward anyway. One of the last things Edward asks is for Bella to stay safe, for smoking hot Billy Burke slash Charlie's sake, of course, and he tells her he's never coming back. Bella, now dead inside, gets lost in the woods and is found hours later curled up in the fetal position by a very large guy she doesn't know named Sam. Sam takes her back to her house where she stays catatonic for months and has screaming nightmares every night. October, November, December and January pass and Bella's basically been a zombie the entire time. So now smoking hot Billy Burke slash Charlie wants to send her to Florida. She refuses and fakes being human by asking Jessica to go to the movies with her in Port Angeles. Bella picked Jessica to hang out with because Jessica is really shallow and talks a lot about herself so she probably won't notice that Bella is a zombie and is only grunting in the appropriate pauses in Jessica's talking. This doesn't really work out the way Bella planned though because Jessica obviously notices that Bella is not herself and hasn't been since Edward disappeared. They watch the zombie movie and Bella finally realises that she is a zombie which is a step in the right direction. After the movie, the girls walk to a restaurant for dinner. Bella sees some bros outside a bar and thinks back to the night that Edward rescued her from the street toughs. Edward asked her to stay safe, but she's tired of that. He didn't keep his promise to stay with her forever, so why should she keep hers to stay safe? As Bella approaches the bro toughs, she suddenly hears Edward's angry, velvet voice telling her to stop, and she relishes hearing him again. As she decides that these aren't the street toughs she was looking for, and they're in fact just regular bros, she stops hearing the angry velvet, so she and Jessica leave. Jessica is clearly freaked out and drops Bella off at home without saying much to her after that at all. The next day, Bella drives around aimlessly trying to find the angry velvet again. She goes by the Cullen house, but that doesn't help, and she decides that in order to hear it, she needs to do something reckless or stupid or dangerous or all of the above, even better. She stops in a neighbourhood and sees two broken down motorcycles for sale. Smoking hot Billy Burke slash Charlie doesn't like motorcycles and has always told Bella that they're very dangerous, so she asks to buy them. Since they don't work like at all, Bella gets them for free. She knows just the person to take them to to get them running again. Bella takes the motorcycles to La Push. And Jacob runs out to meet her, shouting, Bella, where the hell have you been, loca? And then he spins her around in the air. Wait, that doesn't happen. That doesn't happen in the book. (laughs) (laughs) Where the hell have you been, loca? (laughs) Because all of a sudden... All of a sudden, he speaks Spanish. (laughs) Okay, excuse me. Let me start over. Bella takes the motorcycles to La Push and sees Jacob again for the first time in approximately eight months, and he has had even more growth spurts. When we last saw him, he was 6'5", but it is mentioned that he is taller still, so he's 6'7", at least. He is excited about helping Bella fix up the bikes, especially when she offers to let him keep one if he'll repair them and teach her to ride. He gets started right away. 
Two of Jacob's friends, Quill and Embry, come by too, and Bella actually enjoys a day for the first time in four months. And that night, she doesn't even have a nightmare. Ooh. Time passes with Bella spending most of her time in La Push with Jacob, or with Jacob at her house doing homework, and their friendship grows. She even acts like a human again at work and school, which is shocking to her friends. One day, working with Mike at the sporting goods store, some hikers come in and talk about seeing a giant bear in the woods, and then her friends talk about it at school too. She shocks everyone when she chimes in on the discussion. Mike and Angela warm up to her again quickly, but Jessica, mm, she's still put off by Bella trying to hang out with the bros from the bar. Since things are going so well for Bella with Jacob, she begins to feel withdrawals from the angry velvet. So she tries to figure out a way to make it come back. She heads back to LaPush and begins working with Jacob again, so the giant hole she feels in her chest whenever she thinks of the angry velvet or his family gets filled in with Jacob instead. At school, Mike asks Bella to go to the movies, and they plan for a future group date since she's not interested in going out with anyone and is currently busy with Jacob every moment she's awake and not at school or work. Finally, the motorcycles are finished, so Bella and Jacob load them in the back of her truck and they drive off in search of a good secret place to ride them. Along the way, Bella completely freaks when she sees some guys leap off a cliff into the ocean, but Jacob assures her that everyone is fine, and that's what they do for fun in La Push. Bella thinks that might be stupidly dangerous enough to bring back the angry velvet, so she definitely wants to try it. But first, motorcycles. As Jacob teaches Bella about riding, he seems annoyed by the guys jumping off the cliff and calls them a gang. Some of the guys used to be his friends, but then they started hanging out with Sam Uly, the leader of the gang, who is a few years older than Jacob and the rest. Jacob says they all stare at him like he's next, but he doesn't want anything to do with them. Bella gets worried about gang violence, but Jacob explains that they call themselves protectors and that everyone loves them. After this chat, it's time for Bella to try riding her motorcycle. As she zooms down the road, the angry velvet pretty which tells her she's being stupid, which causes her to be stupid and crash into a tree. She's not wearing a helmet. She doesn't care, though, because she hurt the angry velvet again. Yes! Jacob rushes over, finds Bella with a huge gaping head wound, which she wouldn't have had if she wore a helmet, and takes off his shirt to staunch the bleeding, which Bella apologises for and Jacob thinks is ridiculous. After going back to her house to get cleaned up, Jacob takes Bella to the emergency room for stitches. Sounding like a classic battered spouse, Bella tells her dad that she tripped and hit her head on a hammer. <laughs> it would have been more believable if she said, I was walking to my car and I fell and hit my head on the ground. Nope. Which is closer to the truth. Nope, I fell and hit my head on a hammer. <laughs> that night, after hearing the angry velvet again, Bella feels the hole in her chest return. But it's not as bad as it used to be. The motorcycle riding and accidents keep happening, so Bella keeps going to the ER, and no one questions her weak excuses. 
The next time she gets home from the hospital, she tells Smokin' Hot Billy Burke slash Charlie that she fell while hiking, and Smokin' Hot Billy Burke slash Charlie immediately tells her she can't go hiking anymore because there have been more sightings of the giant bear, and hikers have started disappearing. Of course, Bella immediately suggests to Jacob that they go hiking instead of bike riding for their next adventure. She wants to find the sparkling, unbuttoned, sleeveless shirt Grandma Nightmare Meadow, thinking it will bring back the angry velvet. As they get ready for the hike and Jacob maps out a grid they'll use to find the meadow, they talk about seeing the bear, and Billy jokes that Jacob should take some honey with him. Then they talk about outrunning the bear. Clearly Jacob and his dad aren't at all afraid of bears. I mean, they've got such cute ears. They're precious, really. Yes. After a drive, Jacob and Bella make it to the starting point they've mapped out, so they start hiking. Jacob talks a little about how Sam and his gang are looking at him again. After hours and miles of walking, they they give up on finding the meadow for the day. Some time passes and Bella doesn't hear the angry velvet, so she becomes more determined to find the meadow. Soon enough, it's Valentine's Day. And Jacob asks Bella to be his valentine, but kind of in a jokey way because they're not a couple, even though seriously they pretty much are. Bella feels so comfortable with Jacob and he's genuinely nice and thoughtful, but she doesn't want to be in a relationship with anyone but Edward. She remembers talking to Mike a few weeks ago about going to the movies with all their friends, so she plans that and asks Jacob to come too. Unfortunately, everyone gets a stomach flu or just decides they don't want to go to the movies with Bella, so only Mike and Jacob end up going. It's super so awkward because Mike is clearly jealous of Jacob and Jacob is either completely oblivious or exceptionally confident. Both the boys try to hold hands with Bella during the movie, but then Mike also comes down with the stomach flu and leaves the movie to bath. Bella and Jacob follow. While Mike is puking, Jacob holds Bella's hand and she pulls away, even though she likes him and also likes holding hands with him. She doesn't like like him, though, and tells him that the hands holding thing, like, means something different to him than it does to her. But Jacob's not really deterred. As they drive a puking Mike home after the movie, Jacob keeps his arm around Bella's shoulder and Bella notices Jacob is really hot. He promises to never let Bella down or hurt her, but then he starts feeling weird, so he goes home with plans to call her when he gets there. Unfortunately, Jacob doesn't call, so Bella gets worried and calls him. Billy answers, saying that Jacob is too sick to talk to her and that she shouldn't visit. That's fine because Bella wakes up a few hours later after going to bed and she starts puking too. She spends the next day sleeping in the bathroom, literally sleeping in the bathroom. Luckily, it's only a 24-hour flu, so when that passes for her, she calls to check on Jacob. He's still feeling bad and tells her he'll call when he's better, but he doesn't call. So Bella thinks that he's realised he's wasting his time with her and is now avoiding her. She even drives out to his house, but that doesn't help. The giant hole in her chest opens back up and the nightmares come flooding back. Smoking hot Billy Burke slash Charlie gets worried about Bella's screaming nightmares again, so he calls Billy to see what's up. Billy tells Smoking Hot Billy Burke slash Charlie that Jacob has mono, but Bella doesn't believe that. And then she gets really suspicious that Jacob is making stuff up so he doesn't have to see her anymore. 
Bella's chest hole and screaming nightmares get worse. After a week, even though mono can last a freaking month, Bella calls Jacob again. Billy tells her that he's out with his friends, which is devastating. She's creeping back into her zombie status, and smoking hot Billy Burke slash Charlie gets even more worried. Smoking hot Billy Burke slash Charlie. Bella tells smoking hot Billy Burke slash Charlie that she's going to hang out with Jessica one day while he's out fishing, but instead of doing that, she goes hiking by herself with the giant bear on the loose. Well done, Bella. That's full of smarts. Bella gets the map she and Jacob worked on and finally, finally finds the meadow. There is no sleeveless, unbuttoned, buttoned down shirt and no angry velvet at all. side. Instead, there is Laurent. Laurent left at the end of book one when James went bonkers trying to kill Bella and tried out the vegetarian vampire thing for a little while with the Cullens' friends in Alaska. It didn't stick. And now he's here to eat Bella. He said he's doing her a favour and that Victoria, James's widowed mate, was really looking forward to killing Edward's mate since, you know, he killed hers. Even though he literally did not kill James at all. Nope. Nope. No. Did not happen. He is not responsible. At all. Not a bit. No. We like facts when we go for vengeful murder. And the fact of you, Victoria's wrong. As Bella faces Laurent, the angry velvet returns. Edward's voice tells Bella to lie about the Cullens moving away and to threaten Laurent, but that doesn't work. Before Laurent attacks, five giant wolves come out of the woods. Aw, oh, crap! Bella can't decide which would be worse. Would you rather get eaten by Laurent or get eaten by the wolves? She's also surprised because these wolves are giant and also, they're not a bear. No, wolves and bears they are different. They are different. Laurent seems to be afraid of the wolves, which Bella thinks is ridiculous, and he turns to run. Before the wolves take off after him, one of them, a reddish-brown one, looks Bella in the eyes. Bella runs away through the woods, and after a very long time, she makes it back to her truck and goes home. She tells smoking hot Billy Burke slash Charlie that she was out hiking and that she, what she saw has been attacking the hikers. And it's not a bear, it's five enormous wolves. Smoking hot Billy Burke slash Charlie then tells Bella that he saw Jacob out with his friends, but that he looked weird and also giant because apparently he had another growth spurt. <laughs> if smoking hot Billy Burke slash Charlie is commenting on it, it has to be serious. So we can only assume Jacob is like seven <laughs> feet tall now. That is got to be a fact. He has to be seven feet tall now. <laughs> Bears and wolves are different. <laughs> Alone in her room, Bella P.S. She panics. Yes. <laughs> alone in her room Bella panics Laurent probably immediately killed all the wolves and is probably out looking for her right now or he told Victoria and they're both looking for her 
She doesn't know what to do and is worried that smoking hot Billy Burke slash Charlie is going to get hurt before or after the vampires eat her. She also misses Jacob, but he's avoiding her. And if she goes to see him, then the vampires are going to eat him and everyone in La Push, too. Best to just stay alone forever. Seems to be easier. Get a lot of reading done. Thinking more about Jacob later, Bella realizes that he has definitely joined Sam's cult. Why else would he ignore seeing smoking hot Billy Burke slash Charlie and avoid Not her? at all because she's annoying she... as fuck. <laughs> that has nothing to do with it. Nope. She is needy. And she's bringing a lot of baggage. So much baggage. <sighs> she decides she's going to the push to confront him. Or maybe rescue him? <laughs> On the way, she sees Jacob's friend Quill, who confirms that Jacob has joined the cult. Bella confronts Jacob at his house, and he's indeed with the cult, and he looks dead behind his eyes. Mm. He doesn't want to see Bella at all, and blames her being friends with vampires for why he is the way he is, and why the cult exists in the first place. Dude. Bella doesn't get it, obviously. The Cullens don't even live in Forks anymore, so how can they possibly be responsible for Jacob joining a cult? Rejected, Bella goes home and tells Smoke and Hot Billy Burke slash Charlie about Jacob joining the cult. So he calls Billy and pretty much threatens him that if any of the boys at La Push do anything to re-zombify Bella, he's going to come after them. And he's got a shotgun and he's a yeah. sheriff and he knows where to hide the yeah. bodies. Bella did hear the angry velvet again during her encounter with Jacob, so at least that was a good thing. That night, Bella has a nightmare about Edward and Jacob, but then she's startled awake when she hears a scraping noise outside her window. She's terrified, of course, thinking that it's Laurent or Victoria, but instead it's Jacob, and he's even larger than before. Probably 7-2 or 7-3 at this point. Jacob apologizes for hurting Bella earlier in the day and tries to explain that he can't tell her what's happening to him and that the cult's not so bad, but he's literally bound from telling her anything about it. He asks her if she remembers the first chat that they had on the beach when she and her friends came to La Push. La Push, baby. It's La Push. And she does. He talked about the tribe's history with wolves and cold ones, aka vampires, but she's also very tired. He asks her to try to remember everything he told her because if she does, she'll know his secret. He asks her to come see him after she remembers, or at least call if she doesn't want to see him anymore, which, again, she doesn't understand. She goes back to sleep and dreams of Jacob coming out of the forest, but then he becomes the reddish-brown wolf. <gasps> Gasp! Jacob is a werewolf! Clunk. That's the penny dropping. <laughs> Wait! Wolves, everyone remember, are different than bears. They are! Bella leaves for the push first thing the next morning, but smoking hot Billy Burke slash Charlie warns her that another hiker has disappeared, and now he and some of the other officers and volunteers are going to go hunting for the wolves. Oh no! Oh, oh no! Jacob and his friends! And the bears! 
the bears? What would somebody think of the bears? But also, they're clearly murdering and eating people. So should they be allowed to run free? Mm, moral decisions. Bella decides to warn Jacob, but also ask him if he can, you know, not be a werewolf. And he's like, uh, no. Nah, <laughs> nah, dog. Nah, I'm not. No nah, dog. dog. Oh, it's more appropriate to be a dog, isn't it? <laughs> and that's an insult to werewolves. Not he to bears, He apologises for not be... No. <laughs> not bear. Nah, bear. Nah, bear. Nah, bear. He apologises for not being the right kind of monster. Have you thought, Jacob, it's not monster, it's fuzz. Maybe she would prefer a werebear over a werewolf. Maybe. Just, just put it yeah. in your And Bella tells him that she doesn't care that he's a werewolf, just that he and his pack are killing people. Mm. Bella. You're so stupid. Stupid Bella. Werewolves don't kill people, they only kill vampires. And they're after a redhead now, after killing the one in the meadow the other day. Hang on, they killed Laurent? What? (laughs) P.S. P.S. He's dead. (laughs) Bella explains about Laurent... Victoria and James and that Victoria is definitely in the area to kill her but at least Laurent didn't kill any of them or tell Victoria about Bella. Jacob decides to call a werewolf meeting to tell them this news. They also talk about werewolves being super strong and existing to kill vampires and also that they can hear each other's thoughts in wolf form. Bella then tells Jacob about Edward's mind-reading ability and Alice's ability to see the future and Jasper's mood-altering power. She's got so much good info for him about vampires, but she definitely feels like a traitor. But, like, (laughs) they left her, and they're not coming back, so what's the big deal? (laughs) Jacob asks (laughs) if she feels like she's better off without Edward, and... She says she is not. But really? Really? You're not better off right now? With someone whose voice you remember because he's constantly yelling at you? And it's all velvety and sexy. It's velvet. It's velvet. It's a velvet voice. Mm-hmm. Talk to me, baby. Tell me off again. When they meet up with the other wolves, they're mad because Bella is a vamp lover and she now knows the existence of wolves. <gasps> they all have terrible tempers and shift into wolf form whenever they get mad. So, you know, that happens with one Paul and he explodes into a wolf. Jacob also explodes into a wolf form to protect Bella. They fight, but they're over it pretty much immediately afterwards. You go to Sam's house and Bella is warned not to stare at Sam's fiancée Emily because he attacked her one time when he got mad and now she's got like really hideous scars. Bella thinks she's beautiful anyway, though she does call the scars a deformity so you know that kind of takes away from the wholesomeness. Just a little bit. Just a little bit. What bothers Bella about Emily is that she and Sam are so in love. It makes her really sad about Edward. The wolves and Bella make a plan to trap Victoria, and to make it easier, they ask Bella and Smoking Hot Billy Burke slash Charlie to spend all 
all their spare time in La Push. Smoking Hot Billy Burke slash Charlie thinks it is weird that Bella wants to spend so much time there since she was literally just worried that Jacob was in a cult. But that was just a misunderstanding, and now everything's fine with him and his friends. He's not a very good detective, is he? It's spring break now. But Bella doesn't have much to do since Jacob is always off tracking Victoria. He tells her he's going to take a break from tracking so they can spend a little bit of time together and promises that they'll go cliff diving soon. They talk about him being probably the best werewolf because of his lineage, even though Sam is older and the pack alpha. Jacob's grandfather on one side was the last tribal elder and a werewolf, and his grandfather on the other side was also a werewolf, so he's double werewolf. He's got more self-control and can phase into a wolf faster than any of the others. He's double werewolf proof positive. Yes. And not a bear. Not a bear. Because wolves and bears are different. They are. The day they plan to go cliff diving, Victoria shows up, so, you know, all the wolves go after her instead. Bella's alone again and she decides that she's going to jump off the cliff by herself because she's so lonely and she wants to hear the angry velvet again. (sighs) Bella is so smart. Bad weather is rolling in but Bella doesn't even think twice about jumping into the ocean in the middle of a storm so she does and immediately drowns. (laughs) (sighs) On the plus side... She sees Edward this time, in addition to hearing him. Her last thoughts are of him, so at least she's going to drown happy. Not long after Bella gives up, which took all of about eight seconds, she's bashed into (laughs) some rocks, which turn out to be Jacob's arms as he's forcing water out of her lungs. His rock arms are strong, and Bella is able to recover. And as Jacob carries her away, she sees a flash of red fire out on the water. Well, that doesn't make any sense at all. Or does it? Jacob tells Bella that he was able to find her because he realized that Victoria would come looking for her at the beach because she spends so much time there. He was right. The flash of fire Bella saw on the water was Victoria's hair. She was this close. To catching and killing Bella. Luckily, Jacob was there. And Sam, too. Forget about the other guys. Sam leaves them to go to the hospital, where another member of the tribe, Harry Clearwater, is after having a heart attack. Unfortunately, Harry doesn't make it. He was one of Smoking Hot Billy Burke Charlie's best friends, so Bella feels bad for doing all the reckless things she's done in the past few months. What would Smoking Hot Billy Burke slash Charlie have done if she had drowned today? Or died in a motorcycle accident? Or That would not have been or good. Or hit her head on a hammer. <sighs> Stray hammers are everywhere on forks. <laughs> they run rampant in the woods. Jacob takes Bella to his house so she can rest. And while she sleeps on his couch, she dreams of Romeo and Juliet. She thinks about what Juliet would have done, you know, if none of the teenage suicides happened, and Romeo just left her. Would Juliet have been happy with Paris? Could she, Bella, be happy with Jacob? Should Bella not be trying to compare her life to a work of fiction? Full of teenage suicide? 
<laughs> Written during the Tudor period. <laughs> yeah. Jacob takes Bella home later, and she thinks about just being content with him. Before anything can happen, or she can decide, they arrive at her house and see Carlisle's car waiting outside. Jacob freaks out and drives away, you know, because vampires, but Bella knows she'll be safe with the Cullens and demands that he take her back. Instead, he jumps out of her running truck and tells her that he can't help her because if the Cullens are back, the werewolves can't be on their territory. So he hopes it's not a trick and that she doesn't die. Bella's torn, but she loves vampires more than werewolves, so she goes inside her house to find Alice waiting on her. Yay, Alice! Alice is very shocked to see that Bella is alive. Though apparently Edward asked Alice to leave Bella alone, she has still been keeping tabs on Bella's future and she saw Bella jump off the cliff, but never saw her resurface. Bella explains that she wasn't trying to kill herself, although she kind of did immediately give up and resign herself to drowning, (laughs) but Jacob pulled her from the water. Who is Jacob? Alice asks. Bella's werewolf best friend. Ah, this explains why Alice couldn't see Bella after being rescued. Evidently, she cannot see the futures where werewolves are involved. Bella asks Alice to stay for a while, and she agrees. The next day, Bella wakes up and hears smoking hot Billy Burke slash Charlie talking to Alice about what happened to her when the Cullens left and how completely miserable and zombified she was. He tells her that Bella finally started to come back to herself when she and Jacob began spending time together. Even though Bella's doing better, smoking hot Billy Burke slash Charlie knows that she's still not herself and that she's probably never, ever going to recover from Edward leaving her. He's got real high hopes for his daughter here. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Later, Alice and Bella talk about what everyone has been up to since they all left, and Alice tells Bella she did some research into her own history and found the asylum she was locked up in before being turned. And she found and visited her grave. She didn't find out anything else, really, though. The next day is Harry's funeral, so Smoke and Hot Billy Burke slash Charlie goes to that, while Bella and Alice stay behind. Jacob and some of the pack come by for a few minutes, so Alice makes herself scarce to avoid Jacob wolfing out. Jacob tells Bella that if the Cullens are going to stay around, the wolves can't protect her from Victoria until they leave. But he really wants to protect her and tells her that he's always going to be her friend, no matter who she loves. Pointed stare. Bella begins to decide that maybe she should just be with Jacob. And he leans in for a kiss. She plans on not backing out from it. Then the phone rings. Jacob answers, and his attitude immediately changes. The caller asks to speak to Smokin' Hot Billy Burke slash Charlie, and Jacob tells whoever it is that Smokin' Hot Billy Burke slash Charlie isn't available and that he's at the funeral. The call abruptly ends. Bella asks who was on the other line, and Jacob says it was Carlisle. Alice comes in shortly after and tells Bella that she's had a vision of Edward going to the Volturi to commit suicide by vampire. He found out from Rosalie that Bella killed herself, but she didn't, obviously. 
Then it turns out that that was Edward on the phone. So when he asked to speak to Smokin' Hot Billy Burke slash Charlie and he's not there because he's at a funeral, well, it's not good. No. 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 Alice asks Bella to go with her to Italy to save Edward and she immediately agrees. Jacob is distraught and doesn't want her to go but as the saying goes all vampires all the time. Even though Alice warns Bella that they have a very slim chance of making it back home alive it doesn't matter so they rush to the airport. On the flight Alice tells Bella about the Volturi how they're thousands of years old how they're pretty much the only other large group of vampires living together peacefully other than the Cullen family and they also have special gifts so they're definitely formidable. Bella laments for part of the flight about how Edward probably still isn't going to want her even after she flies across the world to save his life but she's gonna try anyway. She tells Alice that she wishes her vision would have been true about her becoming a vampire, and Alice toys with the idea of changing Bella herself, but not right now, because the change takes several days and is excruciating. And also, <laughs> don't eat people Bella's on the airplane. Going like, please, you know, just I know you're not going to have the peanuts, will you it. have my neck instead? Just do it. Do it. Do it. Time and place, Bella. Time and place. Alice spends the rest of the flight watching different versions of Edward's future. She finally relaxes when the Volturi decide not to kill Edward, but offer him a place with them instead. Obviously, this is not what Edward wants, so he plans to walk out shirtless, or perhaps wearing an unbuttoned, sleeveless, white, button-down <laughs> shirt into the sun at high noon in the middle of the Festival of Volturia, the city where the Volturi rule. As soon as he exposes himself <laughs> and or sparkles in the sun, the Volturi will kill him. <laughs> They have very strict um, laws in this country about indecent they exposure. Do. Very strict. When their flight lands in Italy, Alice steals a Porsche and they speed across the country to Volterra. Unfortunately, there's a huge festival happening and it's going to be difficult for Alice to get Bella to Edward before he exposes himself. Alice drives as far into the city as she can. But Bella has to get out and run, which is definitely not the thing that she is best at in life. No. No. Somehow, Bella manages to find Edward just as the clock strikes noon, and she's able to stop him from exposing himself, though a small child sees and points and giggles. That's got to be blow to your manhood, doesn't it? That's really... Edward doesn't believe that Bella is real and assumes that the Volturi have already killed him. But at least now that he's dead, he can be reunited with Bella. She convinces him that they're not dead, but they are in trouble because soon a couple of Volturi guards arrive to retrieve them. Alice shows up soon and they all retreat to the sewers and make their way to see Aro, Caius and Marcus, the leaders of the Volturi. Aro greets Edward, Alice, and Bella like old friends, and he is immediately mesmerized by Edward's ability to not eat Bella and remain true to his old friend Carlyle's way of life. Aro can see every thought anyone has ever had just by touching them, so he knows how Bella's blood makes Edward feel. 
He also knows that Edward cannot read her mind, and he wonders if Bella is immune to his gift as well, so he asks to try. Arl grasps Bella's hand and gets... nothing. Aro is delighted by this and asks Jane, a tiny, menacing little vampire, to try her gifts out. Edward jumps in between them and then falls to the floor, writhing in pain. That is Jane's gift, inflicting pain using only her thoughts. And, not surprisingly, it does not work on Bella at all. Arl is delighted by this (laughs) (laughs) and asks Edward, Alice and even Bella to join the Volturi. Edward and Alice both have amazing gifts and it's entirely possible that Bella could too, (laughs) especially if she's changed. But Edward won't let that happen. When they all decline to join, the Volturi decide that Edward and Alice can leave, but since Bella is a human who knows about the existence of vampires, she has to be killed. Alice steps up to Arl then and lets him read her thoughts that include seeing the future where Bella is a vampire. That's good enough for Arl, so they're allowed to peacefully leave. The Volturi do slightly threaten to check on them soon, though. Just slightly. They say they're going to do it, but they don't book anything in the calendar, so... You know, that's really hard to schedule. They're so busy. They're so busy. Soon enough, they're on a flight back home. Bella refuses to sleep because she wants to spend as much time staring at Edward as she can because she's sure he's going to leave her again as soon as he can. When they arrive back in Washington, all the Cullens are waiting for them. Esme and Carlisle are especially thankful that Bella flew across the world to save Edward, and Rosalie actually apologizes for telling Edward that Bella killed herself before Alice could go and check for sure. When they get back to Bella's house, smoking a hot Billy Burke slash Charlie is rightfully furious. He hates Edward for what he did to Bella and tells him he's not allowed to step through his door. We all know that Edward uses the window anyway, so when he's in Bella's room later, he's not technically breaking any rules. Bella is completely out of it since she didn't sleep for like at least 36 hours, so when she wakes up in Edward's arms, she thinks she has died, just like Edward did when she stopped him from exposing himself. (laughs) Once they realise they're both still alive, you know, more or less... Edward reveals that he wanted to kill himself after he thought Bella did because he didn't want to live in a world without her in it. It's literally Romeo and Juliet. He tells her that he didn't want to leave her, but he thought she would be better off without him. He was 1000% wrong. He tells her that while he was away, he tried his hand at vampire tracking, like what James could do before they killed him in book one. He also says he feels terrible about leaving Bella in Forks with Laurent and Victoria still lurking around. Well, Victoria anyway, because the werewolves got Laurent. Edward's not pleased about Bella being friends with the werewolves, but you know what? Fuck off, Edward. Jacob kept Bella alive. Speaking of Bella's mortality, she thinks that Edward should be more concerned with the Volturi than he is with Victoria, but he's not, and plans to keep Bella alive and human even though that's not at all what she wants. 
Surprisingly, she stands up for herself a little bit and decides to put her mortality to a vote with the rest of the Cullens. So there's Spider Monkey over to his house. <laughs> On it's like getting an Uber, except much quicker. <laughs> On the way, Bella tells Edward all about the dangerous stuff she did and why she did it so she could hear his angry velvet. But then she realises that she could hear him because he loves her. Mm. And it's very convoluted and it doesn't make much sense. It does not make much sense at all. It's just fine. (laughs) They arrive at the Cullen house and Bella asks them to all vote on her becoming a vampire. Everyone votes for her to be one of them, except for Edward and Rosalie. Edward, because he's selfish, and Rosalie, because she didn't want to become a vampire herself and wishes that someone had let her choose. Choosing is important. This is literally what Bella is doing. (laughs) Since the vote is in favor of Bella becoming a vampire, and not at all because that's what she actually wants... Carlyle offers to change her after she graduates from high school if Edward won't do it. She really wants Edward to do it, though. He tells her that he will, but she has to marry him first. Oof. She doesn't want to ever get married at all. Can people please start having conversations about how they want a relationship? No. He's a hundred years old. He's got no excuses. Later... Back at home with smoking hot Billy Burke slash Charlie, he demands to know where Bella disappeared to for three days she was gone. Instead of telling smoking hot Billy Burke slash Charlie that she flew to Italy, she says they went to LA, where the Cullens supposedly moved to, because Alice told Rosalie that Bella jumped off a cliff, and Rosalie told Edward that Bella tried to kill herself and he wouldn't answer his phone so they could explain. Whoops! Bella forgot that smoking hot Billy Burke slash Charlie didn't know about the cliff diving. But everything gets wrapped up in a nice little package. The Cullens are back and she and Edward are together again, whether smoking hot Billy Burke slash Charlie likes it or not. Everything is back to normal, except that Bella is grounded for the rest of her life. Edward and Bella go back to school and he helps her with college entrance essays and they make plans for her non-vampire future. One day after school and work, Bella comes home to find that Jacob is there with her motorcycle and some of his wolf buddies. He brought the motorcycle in hopes of getting Bella in trouble so she would be grounded and not able to see Edward anymore. Well, she's already grounded, which is why, she explains, that she hasn't been to La Push to see him. Obviously, he thought Edward was responsible for that bit. Before Bella can fight Jacob for getting her into even more trouble with Smoking Hot Billy Burke slash Charlie, Edward steps close, which makes Bella realise that Jacob is still growing. So he's up to what, like, seven foot six now? At least. Something like that? At least. At least. And he thanks Jacob for keeping Bella alive and safe when he didn't. This doesn't change how they feel about each other, though. And Jacob explains the treaty Carlisle set up with the Elder Wolves, that they will live peacefully as long as no Cullen ever bites a human. Bites, not kills. Which puts a kink in Bella's life plan. Well, she doesn't get to choose her life plan anyway, so it's fine. (laughs) Bella's got some serious issues to deal with. 
She has to become a vampire, or the Volturi will kill everyone. But if she does, her best werewolf friend will kill everyone. And Victoria is still out there, too, also planning to kill everyone. None of this matters to Bella, though. Not now that she has Edward back by her side. Should we go watch the movie? Yes, I really need to. You know what I want to do, though? This is the movie. This is the one that ends with her going. (gasps) Isn't it? Yes. Okay. Yes. (laughs) Marry me. (gasps) We need to put the subtitles on for it to see what it it does. We're going to have to go back and watch it. You see, if this was us writing and we end on a gasp, it'll be oh, oh! <laughs> Our gasps now have to be <laughs> Right, let's go and watch it with subtitles let's on. Let's do. Everybody else gets a promo for a different <laughs> podcast. What's up, fellow book nerds? It's time to feed your fiction shelf addiction. Hear book club style roundtables, bookish chats, and more. Join Tamara and her friends for fantasy and thriller read-alongs and other shenanigans over on the Shelf Addiction Podcast. Listen now on your podcatcher of choice. Subscribe for free, and you too can have a shelf addiction. Are we back? Yes, and do you know what I found out through the terrible CGI? What? Wolves and bears are. <gasps> I'm so proud of you. Gas prop. If you're gonna gasp, gas properly, please. <gasps> Thank you. <laughs> <laughs> Other than that, Michael Sheen. Michael Sheen. Oh, I love it. Bella is alive after all. <laughs> Bella. Also, this one's more of a visual one. <laughs> <laughs> you know when they're trying to they they've been in front of the Voltori, and I think we're going to talk about the Voltori for a little bit. And Edward's getting the snot beating out of him by Felix mm. and Co. It's the bit where Bella screams, "No!" She literally like. Does this? No! Yeah, it's, it's all of her hands. What? Oh. 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 No. <laughs> no! What the hell is that? <laughs> so bad. Yeah. If we're talking about bad scenes from the movie, though, we really have to include. Where the hell have you been, Loka? Oh, it's so bad. And I swear, all the way through the movie, they just get Jake Lautner to stand. Is it Jake Lautner? What? Jacob's character. What's his name? The actor? I know it's Lautner. Taylor. Taylor Lautner, yes. They just get him to stand on a box to make him seven foot by the end. 
I really wish that they would because it's like that he starts out he starts out the book at 6-5 but it is mentioned so many times in the text like he's getting bigger he's bigger he's getting bigger he's towering over Edward he's getting bigger so he has to still be growing so he is seven and a half feet tall well, I've literally just Googled how tall is Jacob in Twilight. Yeah. And it says physical appearance. This is from twilightsaga.fandom.com. Okay. Um, I'm not digging in any more than what the Google summary gives me. Physical appearance going from 5'10 to 6'7 within one year. Jacob's the tallest character in the series, towering over Alice by nearly three feet and describing her as about the size of one of his arms. Alice... Alice is three feet tall. And no Alice is pocket size for travel convenience. Alice is three feet tall? Apparently. <laughs> <laughs> She's travel size. <laughs> so there you go. I love that she's three feet well, I'm, I'm, there's, there's one where it's just the five tallest and shortest characters in the cast. And I'm going to have to dive into this one. She's three feet tall. The tallest is Jackson Rathbone, a.k.a. Jasper, at 5'10". The shortest, do you want to guess who that one is? Taylor Lautner. <laughs> he's not 6'7". No, he's 5'9". Oh, he's precious. Oh, hold on. Carlisle, Peter Fitchell is 5'11". Okay. Kirsten Stewart was 5'5". Five five. <gasps> Smoking Hot Billy Burke, 6 foot. Nice. Ashley Green. Alice was 5'5". Five five. Callum Lutz is 6'1". Nikki Reed, 5'4". Robert Patterson is 6'1". Esme Elizabeth Razor was 5'3". So, you know, he's a little dinky werewolf, really. He is. They had to use a box. I think that, I mean, they just left him little, didn't they? It's fine. Yeah, I don't think they're really overly. They're just kind of, they, they kind of more went with the muscle mass than height. Yeah. And in the book, he's described as being, like, wiry. Like, he's got long, ropey yeah. muscles because, you know, he's seven and a half feet tall. But it's easier to make somebody, like, weight train than it is to put them on a rack and stretch yeah. them. Yeah. I feel like I remember when these movies first came out that they were going to originally go with someone else other than Taylor Lautner for Jacob in mm-hmm. in New Moon because he was so he was so tiny, but he like mm-hmm. he did all the bulking up himself to prove that he could be Jacob. I feel like I remember that being a thing. I could have just made it up though. That does sound vaguely familiar. Yeah. Though. Yeah. There was something else in the movie. Yes, so the husband watched it with me and he didn't do anything whilst the movie was on. He sat and watched New Moon with me. Um, yeah, I know. Salty comments throughout, of which course. is fine because, you know, I'm salty while I watch these things. I love the movies, but I am not going to, like, I'm going to pick the faults as well. It's what we do. Hello, <laughs> welcome to Fictional Hangover. Exactly. And you know the scene in uh, when Jacob and Bella are in Voltoria 
and he, she's just you know the door's closed they're having the re they're being reunited and then felix comes mm. along and then it's literally within two seconds jane comes along and she's like yeah our all sent us to get you because you're taking too long and it's <laughs> the entire time it takes them to then go into the elevator which has terrible elevator music which i totally forgot about and then get to this the central um hall where the Aurel marcus and and, uh, and them are well like the, she must have gone up the elevator with them there was no way <laughs> they're all standing in the room and it, Aurel's like oh can you go and get them felix cheers mate jane he's taking too long he couldn't have left the hall he seriously he must have ridden up the elevator. She must have ridden up the elevator with them and then literally hung back around the corner to then dramatically go, oh, you're taking too long, you've got to come out. <laughs> <laughs> My husband, I'm going to give full credit to Colin, said, do you remember the Do you remember the show Gladiators when we were younger? Gladiators. The, the, the referee was Scottish in ours, but he was like, on my, <laughs> Felix, you will go on my first whistle. <sighs> Goes a whistle. Jane, you will go on my second whistle, blows the whistle. And literally, it's just blow the whistle, blow the whistle. <laughs> and then they've gone. And I, I swear, he, he nearly broke me. I was on the floor <laughs> laughing so hard. It's such a dramatic scene. Because I was like, gladiators, oh my God. <laughs> They're going to take the travel later <laughs> Yeah, so there you go. That's amazing. That was so funny. So he spent the night watching New Moon with me. He's watched. He watched Twilight as well. He's going to watch them all with me. I love that. Just doing salty comments. So yes. That's so fantastic. That was so funny. <sighs> all right. Are we going to talk about this book at all? Oh, oh yeah, there's a book. There is. <laughs> <laughs> yes. Yes. Well, we're talking about the Volturi now. Should True. We stick with them? I mean, yeah. I guess so. I love the Volturi. Yes. I had forgotten that Marcus has an ability too, though. I had forgotten that. That Marcus has the ability to see relationships? That's a bit worrying. I mean, I can see relationships with my eyes. <laughs> what I do is open my eyes and I observe for two minutes. Like, what does he see? Does he see, like, a glowing line between them? Auras? Matching I don't auras? know. And what does he see if Jacob is there, too? Does he see a triangle? Does he see love triangles? Well, we know that it's not a love triangle, though, don't we? We know the reason why Jacob's so attached to Bella. We do. Spoilers. Can I ask you a question about that, P.S.? It's really important. Oh, God. Please, please let it not be about the ovaries. It's not. It's not about the ovaries. My question is, and this is going to be spoiler alert for, you know, book four, but I have to ask it. If, if Jacob likes Bella so much because of Renezme, shouldn't he mm-hmm. also like Edward? Oh my god, I've literally had this conversation tonight. <laughs> shouldn't he like shouldn't he be sexually I, 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 I attracted to Edward and Bella? Well, well, <laughs> well technically it's not science though. It's not science though because it's sorcery. Women have it's sorcery. Because women have eggs in them. Yes. They are there. Yes. They don't produce them as they're going along. They release them, but they don't produce sure. them. Whereas 
semen is produced when it's needed. Yeah. But Edward's been, quote unquote, dead for like a hundred years. Mm-hmm. So, so he's got dusty semen. So he's got dusty semen. So the thing is, though, <laughs> when I was like, okay, so I can't. If if you're gonna, I mean, it is the ovary thing. You you've asked me the ovary thing. I did not and ask is, you the ovary thing. I asked you yeah, why like, doesn't Jacob have down. a crush on Edward? <laughs> but this is this is the thing. I can't reconcile myself with it because it, and it does link to the ovary thing because the quote unquote science that's been given is because Bella is Renesmee's mum and therefore has the egg already of Renesmee. However, Edward wouldn't have Renesmee's semen. If it was biologically correct, he hasn't produced it yet and won't produce it for a while. Unless it's already there. And then that's the case. And yes, I agree. Jacob should be enamoured to a degree to Edward. He should be. It doesn't make sense. It doesn't make sense. It's sorcery. It makes my brain hurt. And it's stupid, so I'm going to ignore it and move on and I'm... just think about the differences between wolves and bats. Right. Yes. Give your ears, tails, snoots, bulk, snoots, claws, scratching the backs on, on right. Bees. Yes. Hibernation. Mm. Those are some mm. good differences between wolves and bears. And I didn't even Google. So proud of you for that. Okay, so let's stop talking about book four. <laughs> We're going to end up revisiting we are. We are. No, we, we are. are. Um, something that I liked about this one that wasn't evident in the movie. Like, when Edward breaks up with Bella and they disappear. Like, in the movie, she was a whiny bitch about it. Yeah. But in the book, she really, like, handled it well. Minus the catatonia after the fact. But she was like, okay, okay, that's, you're leaving. And and she knows that, like, Edward, it's it's impossible for Edward to feel the same way that she does about him because he's a perfect vampire and she's just a slovenly human. So in her head, like, it's already, she's already rationalized it. And she's like, okay. But in the movie, she's, oh, 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 oh. <laughs> Yeah. Book Bella is better than movie Book Bella. Book Bella is infinitely better than movie Bella. And not just because Book Bella emotes correctly. Or at all. Yeah. 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 I mean I, I know the the I know the the reaction that Bella had to Edward leaving, you know, basically withdrawing from the world going catatonic mm-hmm. and you know those the I, I really like the way that the book and the movie did it where the book just had the months as the chapters yes. and there was nothing else but the title yeah. i really like that yeah. and i like the way that the movie did it where it just had her sitting staring you see the the, the seasons change and the months uh displayed as text and i enjoy those mm-hmm. i think it was a very good way of doing yeah. it but i understand i understand i can appreciate that people are finding that people find problematic that she's so dependent on Edward 
But I also not I'm not defending the situation, but and I think particularly in Book Bella's case, she doesn't feel like an equal to Edward. No. Like you said, she's a slothingly human and he's a perfect vampire. Quote perfect vampire. Um but the power dynamic's not there. Like she cannot physically protect herself and he's got you know amazing special abilities that she doesn't have which you know doesn't but she does but you realize by the end that they are actually something special which is why it's so frustrating that he doesn't want to turn into a vampire because basically you know that would make their relationship more of an equal well he doesn't want her to be his equal clearly Mm, no it's difficult i don't think in this in this book in new moon either edward or jacob come off in a positive light jacob starts off really soft and fuzzy and lovely he's a friend he wants to help her he wants to bring her out of that catatonic state and make her part of the world again and i really appreciate friend jacob but as soon as he starts pushing from the cinema scene onwards that he wants something more and she's like no i just want friendship i don't feel about feel that the same way i love you but i love you as a friend Mm. that's it he starts pushing and pushing and pushing and it's it gives me the nice guy tm vibes where they're not where he's being a friend to a girl he likes until he can worm his way into our knickers yeah and i i I find it very problematic as well i find that really difficult and especially up to the point where he is essentially liable for Edward trying to kill himself through misinformation. Yeah. Purposeful misinformation. And what frustrates me as well, both with Edward and Jacob, but more so with Jacob because Edward does relent because he loves Bella, is that Jacob doesn't. Jacob wants all of Bella, and that's it. Yeah. Edward would like all of Bella, but starts to accept Jacob as a friend because he realizes Jacob kept Bella safe, pulled her back into reality in the world where he couldn't when he wasn't there, and like his gratitude means that Jacob has that lenient has he's given Jacob that leniency he's realizing actually Jacob is not necessary he's a werewolf don't like the werewolf aspect right. but he's not that bad so they're both terrible they're both gate- gaslighting gatekeepers and horrible in that respect but I think Jacob for me gets worse while Edward starts to grow see I I feel like I don't mind Jacob as much in this one like I actually appreciated it and I forgot that he was so kind to Bella the whole time and of course yeah it does get a little bit much at some points where she's like no you know I I, I don't want to do that and he's he's like well don't worry I'm still going to be here I'm still going to be here in the background I'm going to be waiting and it's going to be fine like that that is a little bit much but Edward watches her sleep. So, like... It's... Which is why she can't get the sleep and has nightmares. She hasn't got her person right. watching her. Maybe that's, maybe that's why she can't sleep. Um, but I, I, I had forgotten how much I appreciated 
Jacob in this book. It's it's more than I ever remember because obviously I watched the movie a million billion times and I've only read the book once or mm-hmm. twice. So I forgot about that, but it is a little bit much and you know, I I don't love it, but mm-hmm. I really I liked Jacob more than I liked Edward in this one because why like every single time that Bella hears the angry velvet like it's it's him berating her and she's excited about that that's what she wants to hear is him yelling at her and he's like she remembers how angry he is with her like that's not a good sign it's not and i do wonder if she was in different circumstances if she would if she could be happier if she listened to for example the cd he made for her if she listened to that and remembered edward in a positive light would she get the sexy velvet angry instead of the sexy velvet instead of the angry velvet i see it's like rage table sexy table here yes yeah so get the sexy table the sexy velvet rather than the angry velvet she keeps going to the angry velvet situations she's not looking for the sexy velvet situations well there's not much sexiness no do you know that that i hate the the the, the kisses on the moon in the movie they're so freaking awkward yeah. because they're like uh, no uh, no oh just get on with it man <laughs> sorry oh no oh I don't know. I th- I I feel like I want to blame Bella for Edward. And I'm, no, I'm not though, because that comes across as victim blaming, and I'm not because Bella has been done the dirty by both Jacob and Edward. Yeah. But then I think Jacob and Edward have also. It's not none of none learn, of it's good. None of it's good at all. Uh, I remember when I was finding the background info, I read about how Stephanie Meyer was like, not I don't want to say confronting, but she was, she was talking about the fact that everyone is like, why is this happening? They were going out for like eight hours and now they're broken up and she's catatonic. And she explained that, she explained that away in saying that this is not just a high school boyfriend, it's her true love. Their true love. Imagine what you would do if your true love left you. Like you, it takes a little bit longer than eight minutes to find your true love. And I hate that. I hate that. That's how she explained it away. It's true love. It, it kind of like it reeks of the werewolf imprint, though, doesn't it? Yeah. Like as soon as the werewolf imprint's done, it's like, well, that's it, done and dusted. So it is there. Is this a vampiric equivalent? Because it's not really said as such, yeah. but yeah, it does feel like it's hard and fast and too much too soon. Yeah, it's a lot. And it's a lot, and I I completely appreciate how it's dodgy. <laughs> it's dodgy. I don't know how to say it apart from saying problematic again. It's dodgy. Yeah. It's just I don't know how realistic it is. I mean. High school crushes. You as a teenager, you can fall in and out of love so quickly and so easily. Sure. 
I don't know. I just find I find it very difficult. Yeah, like I can imagine, you know, if if my Jacob, my husband, if my Jacob left me after us being together for seventeen years, yeah, I'm gonna be catatonic as fuck on the ground. But seventeen years, not yeah, not three and a half days. Yeah, they've actually been together Same. for like eight months, I think. But still, like that's same twenty plus years for me and Colin, and yeah, it would happen. But that's because I've spent more more than half my life with this particular, yeah. you know, with this individual. Yeah, not eight months. Yeah, it's a, it is it's a it's a teenage hard and fast, and I get yeah. that, and that's it's going to be the be all and end all it's the biggest thing it's like i was talking to somebody the other day about you know when you're at school and you're stressed about exams and assignments and schoolwork and i remembered one of our teachers saying it's you know it's not stressful this is not stressful and we just dismissing our feelings about it being stressful yeah. and we turned around and i remember saying to this teacher this might not be stressful for you because you're an adult and you've experienced different levels of stress in different situations. For me, as a 16-year-old, this is the most pressure I've ever been under and this is going to define a lot of my life going forward. Mm. So it is, for me, at this point, stressful and you need to respect that. And this is why people thought I was going to be a lawyer. (laughs) Um. And it's kind of like that this situation is the same with this relationship. You think it's the be all and end all and it's absolutely everything even after eight months. And that's fine because that's how you, that, that is their situation sure. and that's how they are. And people do fall hard and fast. Can I ask you a question? Okay. Okay, so book one ends after prom. So may-ish and book two begins in september around bella's birthday what did they do for those months because i feel like bella worked at mike's family sports place store thing and edward stood in the corner and stared at her like i feel like if we had seen any of that time period seen them spending time together it would have made this book more impactful because we have all of this build up all of all of them building their relationship now that you know they're she's relatively safe and there's no vampires currently trying to eat her yeah so if we could have seen them building their relationship over the summer months when like okay she's not in school what are they doing with all of this time? That would have that would have made the book mean so much more when he decides to leave. But because we haven't And it would have been an easy win to have had had us an email to Rene. You know, Bella's right you know, that it could have been a prologue and it was an email yeah. to her mum saying, Yeah, I'm sorry I haven't we haven't gone talked in a while. This is what I've been doing over the summer. You know, or just like a diary entry or something. Yeah. I don't know. It could have been easily, yeah. easy. It could have been done in a paragraph. Yeah. But yeah, establish that time frame. Yeah. 
I feel sorry as well for Smoke and Hot Billy Burke's Me too. It's like, I don't know if the line is said in the book, I can't recall exactly, but in the movie, if she's walking away and Jacob's going, no, don't go, don't go, and basically trying to stop her from rescuing Mm. Edward. He's like, well, what are you going to tell your dad? And she's like, I'm 18, I'm, I'm legally allowed to do this. And it's... Oh, I've left and I've left a note. I remember in the book she does say she left, she's left a note, but his best one of his best mates literally yeah, just, just died. Died. It's it's worth a phone call. Yeah. Even if he turned around and said, "No, Bella, you're not going," and she's like, "I'm sorry, Dad. It's too late. I'm about to go on the plane." Yeah, something. I ju- I'm calling you to tell you I am safe. I'm all right. It's gonna be a few days. I'm coming back. I'm not being stupid. I'm not being reckless. But there's an emergency situation, and you raised me to be the person that when somebody needs you, you go to yeah. them and be there for yeah, them. Yeah, and that it would have been take fine. That long. No. Yeah. I did like when she was writing a note for Billy, smoking hot Billy Burke slash Charlie. I mean, um, and Jacob is there, and he doesn't want her to go, and he's already said, you know, no, don't go. But he he gives her the paper and he gives her the pen. Like, here here you go. Here. Like, I know you're going to do it anyway, so here. And he, like, helps her out. I don't know. I just, I really liked Jacob in this one. Jacob in the book is much better because he does resignedly give her the pen and paper. Whereas movie Jacob, like, grabs hold of the steering wheel from Alice. Yeah. And physically tries to stop her from going. Yeah. And gives her an ultimatum. I don't like ultimatum. No, and I appreciate that book Jacob was like, I am still gonna be your friend no matter what you no matter who you love. I'm still gonna be your friend. Yeah. Movie Jacob for me is a lot worse. Well he's half the size. He's a, so he's half the size but double the problem. Yes. And yeah, I just. Mm, mm. But all the way through, I'm like, oh, just Team Alice. Always Team, team Alice. Alice. All the Although way. I am also Team Volturi. Team, I'm Team Volturi as well. I don't need to live a vegetarian lifestyle. Nope. I'll happily go and live there. What? Cause people paid? <laughs> yeah, go Dunsies. I wouldn't mind a bit of Jane's power. Pain. I know. I hate that. Ooh. I hate that in the movie she has to say it out loud, though. Pain. Like, well, I mean, it's exposition. It isn't is, it, but it's dreadful. It. Oh, that brings it's... that. Can I tell you? Can I tell you my surprise? I'm hoping it's what I'm thinking, but I'm not sure. It's probably not what you're thinking. <sighs> okay. I feel like we're in a confessional here. Sorry. So I was listening to the audiobook, right? And we already established with Twilight that the audiobooks are not great. No. No, they are not. And so I was listening to it and they get they get to Volterra and they see Jane. And I had to listen to it. I listened to it, like, going back. What did she just say? Go back. Surely she did not just say that. Go back. No, that's what she said. And then I, when I got home from, you know, driving home and and listening to the audiobook, I pulled up the text 
and understood actually what they were saying. But I was under the impression for that like 25 minutes that I was in the car after having listened to that scene over and over and over again, like five times. I thought that Jane was black. So the text from the book is at first, I thought it was a young boy. The newcomer was as tiny as Alice with lank, pale brown hair trimmed short. The body under the cloak, which was darker, almost black, was slim and androgynous. She's talking about the cloak is black, but the way it is written, I thought that she was like really poorly describing Jane and that the the body under the cloak was darker, almost black and slim and androgynous. But the face was too pretty for a boy. Why did we have to insert the description of the cloak right there? Body under the cloak, which was darker, almost black. Why did she just put the the, the body under the dark cloak? The body under the dark black cloak. Yeah? But I listened to it like five times going, did she just say that Jane is black? Have I just missed something? Have I, have I missed out? Is Jane black? Like, why did they get Dakota Fanning to be Jane if Jane's black? Jane's not black. Dakota Fanning was the in... Cloak is black. I need to turn the text back. What? <laughs> I'm turning the text to a darker color. Okay, sorry. <laughs> Almost black. <laughs> Sorry, sorry, sorry. That was very inappropriate. For those listening, you're probably going to edit this bit out, but just in case, I'm reading the text. It's been Amanda's kindly highlighted. It yes, that is so badly written. And then the audiobook, there was no like inflection or pausing. No, because she doesn't do that in the audiobook. They're all monotonous. It's just one giant sentence of monotonous text. It's terrible. The body under the cloak, which was darker, almost black, was slim and androgynous. Yeah, that 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 makes it sound like it's the but like the person's naked underneath the cloak. And I thought, my God, that's offensive. But she calls... Freaking Hollywood whitewashing again. But, like, I mean, it's also the writing. Because Stephanie Meyer refers to all the Quileutes as having russet skin. Like, can you please just stop using colors to describe things? Can you just stop it, please? Yes. It's not the most well-written. No. Speaking of it not being well written, I I did not forget to tally my words that I tallied in the last episode. So I have those. Oh, 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 the the grimace excellent. and the murmur and the mutter. I've collect yes, I've please. collected them again. Let's have a tally. So, let me scroll down a little bit here. Grimace, we grimaced 20 times. We oh. murmured 30 times, and we muttered 57 times. What? 
57 mutters. 57 mutters in 20 chapters. How many chapters are there? 24? <sighs> oh, I'm going to check his wine next to me. That's insane. Do we have a running total or not? Um, I, there is not a running total. However, I do have them both, so we can add them together. Um, Twilight, Grimace was 16, plus... Four, 36. Yes, so that's 36 Grimaces. Um, 76 total murmurs. And 107 mur- mutters. How was murders? Like, 107 murders. How many murmurs, sorry? Murmurs is 76. And mutters. In total. Yes. And mutters and is 107. That's insane. Yeah. Do you know what this tells me? With all these mutters and murmurs. That the audiobook is accurate? Enunciate people. <laughs> enunciate. Oh, okay. Did you have any... Desperate need for enunciation. Did you... I'm really glad that you said that and you did not enunciate that well. <laughs> Desperate need for... I was I was muttering and murmuring to myself. <laughs> but we are in a desperate need for enunciation. With pronunciation. Inflection. Did you have any... Violence. Do you have any surprises? I totally forgot Laurent died in this one. <laughs> what? How did you forget? I thought it was in the next one or Breaking Dawn. I completely forgot. I knew he died. I just couldn't remember which book it was. Uh, yeah. I can't believe you forgot so that he nothing died. Nothing big. I, I knew he... I remember he died. I just couldn't remember which book it was in. Oh. It's like, sorry, Laurent. I'm really not sorry, that concerned no. about your health and well-being. No. No, not at all. Did you have a favourite character, by the way? Um, the Aro. Duh. Duh. This is Volturi. I love them. Yes. Specifically Michael G. Yes. Bella is alive after all. And I heard that Michael Sheen wasn't going to do it until his daughter was like, Dad, you got to do it. And he's like, fine. I'm glad. Way to go, Michael Sheen's daughter, because he's the best part. It's the best part of the movie. And it also gets better because it's the same daughter he has with Kate Beckinsale, sexy vampiress. It's even better. And I remember that this, this for some reason sticks on my head. I remember reading that Kate Beckinsale took her daughter to a bookstore and the bookstore peep clerks had to help bring all the books to her car. And there was three people laden down with books as, lo- as well as her and her daughter. I was like, oh, yeah. Oh, I love that. So She's a vampire much. and a book bibliophile. That's so amazing. Yes. <laughs> do you have a do you have a favorite character? Other other uh, than Aro? Well, apart from the Volturi, right. I'm gonna say Alice specifically in the sports car because she loved that thing. She did. She did love that sports car. And also she just had a roll of thousand dollar bills. PS which, she just committed Grand Theft Auto. She had spare cash. She didn't, you know, she didn't buy it. I know, but she just had that thousand dollar bills. Those are not in production anymore. They haven't been since like the sixties, and she just happens <laughs> to have a roll of them. 
that she probably had them in her pocket since the 60s. Never, you know, because she doesn't sweat. She's a vampire, right. so it doesn't mean you need cleaning right. that often. And it's like, oh, well, I need to give this person a bright alcohol thousand dollar bill. There you there go. You she'll get something on eBay. Ooh, can I point out all of the old tech like we did in Twilight? She got given a camera. Yes. And I do have I do have a camera, but it is not charged. How we're so dependent on our mobile phones for cameras these I know. days. I was like, oh my god. And there's not a single mobile phone, it's only ever landlines. Yes. And her camera uses actual film. Yes. It's not a digital camera. Yes. It's actual film. Actual and she has to go film that needs Yes, and she drops off her film at the one hour photo or whatever. Amazing. But in the movie it is a digital camera because she prints it off herself. Right. And Edward gives her a scene. In a jewel case. Love it. Yes. Love yes. It. I think there was one of the other tech references, but every time the old tech was coming up, I was just giggling because of our previous conversations and our conversations in, in Vampire Book Club. <sighs> so good. <laughs> oh, man. Right, sorry. Now, now I'm ready for Would You Rather. <laughs> Okay, so we asked on social media, if you were young and naive, would you rather recklessly drive a homemade motorcycle or cliff dive into the ocean during a storm? <laughs> she wears jeans and her shoes to cliff dive. She's probably wearing her hiking boots. Idiot. She's going to sink straight to the bottom. And then she just... Wait, I got it. Okay. So, Jacob and I have this, like, joke that we always do, and it involves being in a swimming pool. And, like, my my sister has dogs, and she puts them in life jackets when they get into the water. And so, Jacob and I are always like, yeah, because the dog's just going to go sink straight down to the bottom, take a big deep breath in, and flip upside down. And so, that's just what I imagined Bella doing eight seconds after being in the water she just goes well shrug (gasps) she just drowns immediately (laughs) that's what I'm thinking of the whole time (laughs) sorry she peed in the ocean probably she probably peed herself as she was resigning herself to drowning immediately relaxed at last she did she was finally happy because she saw Edward she saw the vision of the angry velvet and she's like and that's why Victoria didn't come closer to her because she's like oh pee I don't want to swim through pee I don't know why she talks like that but she does I need to ask... Can, sorry, can we go back? We're, we we're not playing Would You Rather yet. Excuse us. No, no, I need to go back. It's because <laughs> what, I was watching the movie and we talked about... In the, you mentioned it's like dead and loving it paper yes. clothes. Yes. Just blood. And I go... Oh, oh, Nick the vessel. Right. How do any of the Cullens slash former Hales go to school or just generally go about the business because 
one paper cut and Jasper's like, Rah! if you're at school, how many people will have open wounds from sports injuries, from paper cuts? All the time. Having their periods. All the time. I believe that that comes up in a later discussion where it's that, that blood is dead, so it doesn't affect them. Okay, fair enough. I'll give you that. But people will have, you know, yeah. you know, you bite your lip. You have a nosebleed. Yeah. I know they missed the school day when they did the blood test, and but, which, FYI, is weird and why you're doing that in the school. But, yeah, um... <laughs> It happens. It does. Yeah, you know? people are constantly bleeding all the time. Disgusting, gross kids like picking their faces, scabs, yeah. oozing. Scab. Yeah, exactly. Mm. Yeah. You know, when your skin, you've got dry skin and it just cracks by accident. Yeah, you're bleeding you know, all really over the place. You're real. Yeah. How has Jasper not eaten the entirety of folks? And to be honest, I would support him in that. I mean, yeah. Cool. I don't know. Yeah, it made no sense. And and Edward, you're a plonker. She got a tiny little paper cut. Jasper attacks, and what do you do? You throw her in some glass. Yeah, just throw and her sh- straight into the crystal plates. But use some smarts, people, please. I also worry or wonder about the fact that they're always like, "Yeah, Jasper hasn't been a vegetarian as long as Oz, but he and Alice met up after the twenties." And so they've been together, you know, oh, let's just say 1925. He's been with them for that long, and he's still struggling so much. But Emmett wasn't turned until, like, the 60s, I think? Yeah. Jasper's been a vegetarian probably about the length of time that Edward's been a vampire. There or thereabouts, and he's still, give or take five I don't, years. I, I wish that it had been Emmett. That was having struggles because they mentioned specifically in this book that they haven't celebrated a birthday since Emmett in the 60s or some something like that. So Emmett is clearly the newest one. Yeah. I just... Uh, I don't know. Inconsistencies. I don't know. I love these books, but yeah. You can't... I'm, they're not perfect. You can't dive deep into them. Or you no. start... You start oh. to realize things. I think we need more than water in our mugs. Mm. Which I'm drinking out of my Twilight cup again, by the way. Oh, look, there's Emmett. I, I, I have my sparkly fictional hand now. It's very similar in color. This one is actually from when New Moon came out. I have had this cup for that long. Nice. Yeah. Okay, okay. now is it time? Would you rather times? <laughs> Would you rather times? <laughs> so... You were young and naive. You would rather recklessly drive a homemade motorcycle or cliff dive into the ocean during a storm. Either way, you're not using your smarts. On Facebook, 75% said motorcycle. On Instagram, 62% said motorcycle. On Twitter, 80% said motorcycle. And TikTok was a straight up 50-50. We had loads of comments. So many comments. We always get a million comments with Twilight books. Annie on Facebook said, terrified of diving, so motorcycle it is. Although I'm driving really slow, but somehow reckless. <laughs> I think you'd fall over if you were slow on a motorcycle. Yeah, and that is you? so oh, dangerous. you do that scooty thing with your legs. Yes. <laughs> right into a tree. Mm-hmm. Drew on Facebook said, I can't do heights, so I will risk road rage. 
Colin on Facebook said, I'd have to ride the motorcycle. I've got visions of pieces of it falling off as I drive, leaving me riding what is essentially a unicycle with a big old engine attached. This will not end well for me or any spectators, but I will feel alive for the brief second it takes for me to fall off and explode <laughs> into a fiery fireball of fire. It's amazing. It's painted a picture. Bree on Facebook says, I have a better chance of surviving the motorcycle because Jacob made it and he knows what he's doing. Katrina on Facebook said, I'm scared of heights and the ocean. That scene terrifies me, so motorcycle it is. Constance, I'm not singing your entire song, but I will sing the last part. And I'm free, free falling. Constance is jumping off a cliff. Jennifer on Facebook said, My instinct is homemade motorcycle, but if I'm being reckless, cliff in a storm. I barely know how to swim, so that should fit the bell. <laughs> oh, Jennifer, no. TJ Puritt's author on Instagram says, Have to go with the bikes. The height and freezing cold water are not appealing as reckless adrenaline options for me. Mm. Read write obsesses on Instagram. Cliff diving during a storm sounds perfect. Screams reckless, stupid, and save me from myself, please. Glim Glam Jen on Instagram says, Motorcycle for sure. No matter how dangerous, at least there's not a sea monster or something slimy waiting in the water. Team Jacob forever! L20 Kevin Instagram. Yikes, what's with all the height questions recently? I'm going to go bikers. I'm a shite swimmer. Carissa the Bookworm on Instagram says, Motorcycle, I'm terrified of heights. Do we have any library comments? We do have some library comments. Um, Motorcycle, if you see me in the ocean, you better call 911 because I'll be dead before I hit it. Not happening. We also have cliff diving. Those motorcycles can be dangerous. (laughs) And then finally, the third one, which it spawned a lot of other comments and I have to explain this one too because it's really precious what happened so motorcycle it's probably much easier to save me from dying if something goes wrong on the motorcycle P.S. Bella is dumb agree agree hard yes. agree yes and someone agreed but what's what's really precious is that one of I was eating lunch in the break room with one of my coworkers. And we have a coworker called Bella at the library. And my and the person that I was eating lunch with, he didn't realize that the question was about New Moon. I mean, I write it in the corner of the board when I where I write all this stuff, but he didn't realize that that's what we were talking about because he's never read the books. And so he goes, Why are they being so mean to Bella? He felt so bad. Like, and this guy is so, so nice. He's the nicest human being that I've ever met. And he was like, why are, why are they being mean to Bella? Why? And it just, it it made me laugh when he said that. And I was like, <laughs> he goes, oh my God, I just realized it's Twilight. <laughs> but it was really great. And then what makes all of this even better is that Bella, coworker Bella, Adds into the bottom of this, P.S. Bella is dumb. She said, hey, I'm smart. Yes, you are, Bella. <laughs> she is. Not Bella Swan. No. But Library yeah, Bella. My Bella is very smart. Yes. 
Oh, that's precious. I that's really loved it so much. So, so much. <laughs> I'm dedicating this Would You Rather to uh, Library Bella. I think that's I think that's good. Yeah. So what are you doing? Motorcycle. As much as I would like, I like the idea of jumping off the cliff, I am not doing it in a storm. I'm not wearing jeans. I'm not wearing hiking boots. And I'm not doing it without safety scuba divers waiting for me to catch yeah. me and make sure I'm Or safe. at least a friend. One other friend. person yes. there. Person or werewolf. Or somebody knowing exactly what I'm doing, when I'm doing it, where I'm doing yeah. it. Ugh. You know? Accountability. Yeah. Safety. Not doing it. Uh, yeah, the motorcycle. Um, I probably will not even get a foot. I will turn it on and I'll you go. Just ah, immediately please. creak over to the side. Yeah, yeah, so... And then I'll probably get, like, grays. But I'm doing it with helmet. And Bella, you're stupid. You wear a helmet. Yeah, I'm wearing a leather jacket. Wear I'm wearing a helmet with a full face mask. Oh, I'm, you know those suits you wear when you're doing, uh, you know, police dog training? Yes. I'm wearing one of those. Yeah, that's, yeah, <laughs> me too. I'm also riding a motorcycle. I'm not going to jump off a cliff. I don't, I don't do heights. I can't, I don't, I don't like it at all. So I wouldn't even make it up to the top of the cliff. I would be cringing in the back. I don't want to jump off a cliff. So I'm riding a motorcycle with safety gear directly into a tree no directly into a hammer directly into a hammer how could i forget i would why these wild hammers are everywhere everywhere yes i am driving my motorcycle into a hammer rather than jumping into the water taking a big deep breath in and turning upside down if you see like a cluster of wild hammers in the northwest pacific you know there's a sasquatch in the pile yes yeah definitely (laughs) next question yeah would you rather have edwards alice's or aro's power Mm, right so edwards is being able to read people's thoughts there and then Alice's is seeing the future, but it's not predetermined. It can change. Yes. And Arrow's is being able to read people's, all people's thoughts with the touch. Yes, but all of their thoughts that they've ever had. <sighs> but it's one person at a time, too. And Edward is people in a small radius. Yeah. Edward seems to be able to control his quite well, like turn it off, turn it down, yeah, focus it, yeah, yeah. Arrows, mm, I mean, it could be interesting, but imagine learning like horrible things about people, and you're not a horrible person, so you don't particularly want to blackmail them. Sure. What do you do? What do you do if you found out that somebody you love and care about was actually a serial killer? Well, if I was Aro, like, I'd just oh, eat them. Shit. Well, yeah, that is true. You probably are that serial killer, to be fair. Mm. 
Alice's. I love Alice and I love her ability. But it's a dangerous thing to, and that I think you could be quite addicted to, like seeing into the future and your life starts to be ruled by what her visions are yeah i'm not betting against alice no, of i'm course not. not no one bets against alice and everyone lets the wookiee win but we've seen we've seen some wookie... damage that alice's visions can have in this one yes it just takes the a stray sentence about what she's seen to the wrong person for the chinese like for the, the whispers to to kick in yeah and for it to be misunderstood i'm gonna go with edwards because he seems to have quite a handle on it sure to the point where it's not like just constant noise it's never been expressed that way that it is as far as i can recall and then i'm gonna go on quizzes on tv i'm gonna win jeopardy Mm. Yeah, that's good. I mean, because I was thinking that I would choose Alice's because they do mention that, like, they have a lot of money because Alice can predict trends in the stock market. I mean, that is very helpful. Yeah. I'll go on Jeopardy. You predict trends in the stock market. Okay. Together we will be stupidly rich. Yes, and also brother and sister. Who's the brother? Well, you're Edward. That's true. I'm a brother now. It's fine. It's fine. Next question. (laughs) Would you rather be turned into a vampire? Yes. End of question. No. Yes. (laughs) We all know that answer. Would you rather be turned into a vampire by Alice or by Carlisle? As much as I love Alice... And being on Team Alice, I think I'm gonna pick Carlisle because man, Carlisle knows what he is doing. Mm-hmm. He he's been doing this for so long. He's you know he's been a vampire for three hundred years, whatever. He's a doctor, so he's gonna do it as painlessly as possible and like know the exact amount of time he needs to have bitten you for the venom to work and he's done all these calculations already so I'm and he he also is not you know a fan of the blood so he's not going to go bonkers and drain you dry so I'm going to go with Carla same exact same reasons as much as I would love Alice Carla is the better option Yeah, she's never done it before no. And Carlisle would supervise. I sure, guess. yes. And I'm sure if anybody wanted to turn any anybody else, he would help. Right. But he would also take the quote-unquote burden yeah. as well. Yeah. All right. We have secret questions this time, which is yes. special. We haven't had a secret question in a, in a couple months. No, we did movie questions last time. We did do time, movie questions last time. We did, you're right. Okay, it was your secret question. All right. Would you rather... This is text from the book, exact quotes. Oh, my God. Oh, my God. Would you rather laugh like Alice? Alice laughed, and the sound was all silver, a wind chime. 
or laugh like Jane. She laughed. The sound sparkled with delight, like a baby's cooing. <laughs> oh my! You cannot choose option three. Aro Michael Sheen in the movie. Oh, not not an option. Because obviously it would be Michael Sheen. Obviously, Aro in the movie. I'm disturbed by the baby cooing. <laughs> yes. I'm freaking. I know. I know the whole wind chime thing is vomit-inducing for yep. you, but she laughed. The sound sparkled with delight, like a baby cooing. Baby, why? Why did you have to do the baby cooing? I don't know. You could have just left with she laughed. The sound sparkled with delight. Nope, baby. Well, like she baby sparkled cooing. with manic delight. Nope. You know she's slightly hysterical nope. and crazy. Baby. I'm going Alice. It might sound all silver and wind chime. At least if I laugh, I can freak you out. That's incentive for you not to keep putting me off. <laughs> I, I can't do the baby cooing. I can't. It, it's really hard for me to choose because wind chimes make me have this visceral reaction that I am having if you can watch the videos. But I hate babies, so. What do you hate more? Wind chimes. What can you tolerate more? Babies. So you go. Oh, be Jane. I mean, that's fine. But I like if, Jane. It's if, cool. If but... your laugh is like a wind chime, you might be able to tolerate wind chimes then. I don't even want to think about it. Okay, should we move on? Yeah, do you... Ugh. Oh, she's gone cross eyes. <laughs> okay, let's move on to my question. While Amanda is busy vomiting, let's move Ugh, on. Just chills. Just, I, chills! Just think about Arrow. Okay. Okay. I came prepared. I didn't know if we were doing movies. All right. I want to give you, I'm going to give you my second one. Would you... This is based from the movie, okay? Sure. It's purely based from the movie. Would you rather park your Volvo in the school parking lot like a jerk or, <laughs> or randomly threaten to punch someone in the cinema like a douchebag? Oh. I'm punching people in the theater. I'm going to do it. I would I would punch someone in the theater. I hate it when people park badly. That's just wrong. It's parking badly like, in a Volvo. Like a jerk hole. Yeah. Yeah, I'm not doing any of that. I am going to threaten to punch someone like a douchebag. That reminds me of a very fantastic <laughs> thing that happened to me once a long, long time ago when I went to see Vampire Academy, the Vampire Academy movie in the theater. I was with Amber, former co-host Amber. Mm -hmm. We went to see this movie together and there were girls sitting a couple of seats away from us and they kept like taking pictures with a flash and I just quietly leaned over to them and said if you do that one more fucking time I'm going to take your phone and break it and then just leaned right back and continued watching the movie <laughs> they did not take another picture in the movie theater I should think not. It shouldn't be taken any. No. But it was so very, very peaceful. 
very calm. I'm going to take your phone and break it. Was the sound all silver? It was. It was silver like a wind chime. And also sparkly like a baby coo. (laughs) (laughs) Jesus. What are you doing? Are you... Are you... Oh, I'm not parking like a jerk hole. That (laughs) pisses me right off. I know, I hate it. I would... I would key that Volvo. I get so annoyed when people can't park in the lines. Oh, it's the worst. Like, come on. I would slash a tire. Do you know what? It really, really, it boils my piss. When people park, you park perfectly in the space, Mm. and people just ram their cars in the parking space, do not give any cares about anybody parked next to them and they block the driver's door oh it's the, oh, it's the it's worst like, if there's one door you make sure somebody can access is the driver's door because at least if somebody can get into the car properly pull it forward everybody else can pile in that's fine yeah. i can't climb over the console right now my knees will not let me do that and people just, uh, rage so I'm not parking like a jerk hole. No. Because Don't do it. Cardinal sin. But I will threaten to punch someone in the cinema. I'll probably threaten to punch someone in the school parking lot if I park like a jerk hole in the vault as well. Yeah. I was just threatened to punch everyone all the time. Yeah. Do you want my other one? <laughs> yes. Yeah, why not? We're gonna we're gonna, gonna throw an extra one out of you. Would you rather work in the reception in the Voltori? Or the concession stand of Port Angeles Cinema. Either way, life is going to drain out of no, you. No, I'm I'm hanging out with the Volturi. If there's even if there's even ha- one half of one chance that I will get turned into a vampire, I am hanging out with the Volturi. If there's one half of one sparkle with delight, that sounds like a baby coo <laughs> of being a vampire. Yep. Me. Yeah. Plus, the weather would probably be much nicer in Italy. Probably, and also oh, you're right. in Italy. Can I ask a question? Does it have to do when with the sewers? In... No, it's to do with when they're landing in Florence. Florence is in the country of Italy. Mm. And do you know what language they speak in Italy? Italian. Oh. You why, don't say. <laughs> why, when they land, do they speak English and French? It specifically says. It specifically says, yes, French first, English second. Yeah, it it should be Italian and and English potentially because it is like a. Sure, yeah. A universal um, nautical? Aeronautical language. Right. It's the same with C, you know. Sure, yeah. I don't know. I don't know, man. Why do we laugh like a baby cooing? Why do we murmur everything? Why do we wear sleeveless, open, button-down shirts? Why? So many questions. Why do we dive off cliffs in our hiking boots and jeans? So many questions. Why do we mistake wolves for bears? (laughs) They're different. Wolves and bears are different. They are. They're so different. Let's move on. 
Please. Favorite final thought quote. Okay. <laughs> I'm just going to give you three. Okay. I think she's having hysterics. Maybe you should slap her. <laughs> it's the best line Alice has ever spoken. Yeah. Damn it, this chick runs with vampires? Yeah, I do. Yeah, I do. Vampire baby, vampire people. Last one. I have to step out for a second. Don't do anything funny while I'm gone. <laughs> oh, Emmett. Emmett is underrated. Emmett is underrated. I would love more Emmett. Yes, the world needs more. The Emmett. world does need more Emmett. What's your quote? Okay. I've got one relatively serious one. Ooh. I mean, it's not. Oh. I'm sorry that I can't be the right kind of monster for you, Bella. You're the right kind of monster for me, Amanda. Oh, okay, thank you. Oh, oh. She's bracing herself. I'm going to read it like the audiobook. Okay. Aro started to laugh. Ha ha ha, he chuckled. Ha ha ha, Aro chortled again. <laughs> Can we have some with emotion now? Can we have Michael Sheen Can now? we do that? <laughs> and then Bella going, no. <laughs> and then the baby coos. And then the wind chimes tinkle. Okay. And my last one, which mm. if we didn't pick up from the summary, this is one of the things I latched on to. His voice was rough, if velvet can be rough, with anxiety. What the fuck is with velvet, man? <laughs> can velvet be rough? <sighs> Google. I believe Can Velvet was mentioned six be? times in the book, by the way. Oh, rough. Rough Velvet. How do you soften Velvet fabric? Is Velvet smooth or rough? Velvet is soft, luxurious fabric that is characterized by a dense pile of evenly cut fibers that have a smooth nap. Nice. Velvet has a beautiful drape and a unique soft and shiny appearance due to the characteristics of the short pile fibres. Thank you, Masterclass.com. That is really fantastic. Oh, no, I lied. Oh, God, Velvet is mentioned 13 times. Ooh. It's his, it's his voice every single time. His irresistible velvet voice. His beautiful voice, soft like velvet. Even though it was irate. Oh, this is reckless and childish and idiotic, Bella. The velvet voice fumed. The voice in my head was back. Soft, velvety echoes. Velvet Aww. voice delusion. Ugh. Oh, sorry, that's a velveteen upholstered bench. That that one doesn't count. <laughs> that one doesn't count. Velvet voice anxiously whispering. Can you have too much warning? Garbage? Oh, it's furious. <laughs> oh, that's the way Edward's voice would have sounded in my head. Furious. Velvet. 
perfect. <laughs> Jesus. Who knew Velvet came in so many types? I can't. I can't. I can't do it anymore. That's no. the end. That's the end of my quotes. Let's move on. If you liked yes. this, try this. Is it velvet? It could be. I'm gonna I'm gonna preface mine with it's a what that book. Oh god. Yeah, I see anymore. What? However, it it seemed to have quite good reviews. Hold on. She's gonna quickly check because she had a delay this moment earlier and now talking in the third person. Yes, she is. Okay, it's an average of about three and a half stars on, on Goodreads. That's not too bad. But I was reading through some of the reviews of it and everybody was just loving it. Okay. And it's called Belmort by Bella Higgins. Great. Already on board. <laughs> it doesn't sound that bad, actually. It's very appropriate. There's only one way out. Bellamort, one of five houses where vampires reside as celebrities and humans appear to be their living donors. While others come here seeking fortune, I came in search of my sister who walked into Bellamort five months ago and never walked back out. Now that I'm here, the secrets about this world have proven to be much bigger than I ever anticipated, and lurking around every corner are shocking insinuations of what happened to my sister. There's only one person who might have the answers I need, and uh, the undeniable pull I feel toward him is terrifying. Edmund Dante, a vampire and my mortal enemy. The harder I try to resist him, the further I fall under his spell. And in one instant, my life is irrecoverably changed. My past becomes prologue and my fate becomes sealed behind these doors. Bellamort has spoken and it may never there is so much in that summary that I feel like has been like literally lifted from Twilight series. Yeah. And I was just... Yep. If you are a fan of the Twilight series, you, you... may enjoy this Yes, one. and that is exactly what the purpose of this segment of the podcast is. If you liked this, try this. Yes. Oh, I haven't read it. It sounds... It does sound appropriate, 100%. What's yours? I am going to recommend Evermore by Alison Noel. I've not read this series, but I have seen it a thousand times in the library. After a horrible accident claims the lives of her family, P.S. they're dead, 16-year-old Ever Bloom can see people's auras, hear their thoughts, and know someone's entire life story by touching them. She's got all of them. She's got all of them wrapped up into one. (laughs) Going out of her way to avoid human contact to suppress her abilities, she's been branded a freak at her new high school. But everything changes when she meets Damon Auguste. Damon is gorgeous, exotic, and wealthy. He's the only one who can silence the noise and random energy in her head, wielding a magic so intense it's as though he can peer straight into her soul. As Ever is drawn deeper into his enticing world of secrets and mystery, she's left with more questions than answers, and she has no idea just who he really is. Or what he is. The only thing she knows to be true is that she's falling deeply and helplessly in love with him. Irrevocably? Irrevocably. (laughs) 
I love everything about that. It's it sounds really fun. I'm not sure what they are. They're immortal though, but I don't know what they are. Oh, mystery. Mystery. Mystery wrapped in velvet. A mystery wrapped in velvet wrapped in a bear. <laughs> okay, let's move on to Yep. Uh, a spotlight. Yep. <laughs> so the new and indie spotlight that I'm talking about this time is called The Last She by H.J. Nelson. And this book has actually already been out. And the second one called The Last City is has just come out. But this one, The Last She, I wanted to talk about it instead of the second one. Because you don't want to start in the middle. You're going to no, start in the beginning. No, never. As the only female to survive the devastating virus, Ara hasn't seen another human in months, not since her father disappeared. The plague has swept away humanity, and Ara's world is desolate, haunted by the ghosts of her former life, her mother, her sister. Caden and his crew live by a code, stay alert, stay alive. When they catch Ara stealing from them, they are furious and confused. She's the first girl they've seen in three years. And while Caden knows taking her captive is wrong, he tells himself he's doing it to protect her. But with Ara determined to follow through on her father's mission, go back to the beginning, end the plague, Caden becomes mesmerized by Ara's will and beauty. He knows he will do anything to help her, even if it tears their worlds apart. Ooh. So we got we got some overprotective males here, perhaps? Mm. Mm-hmm. Yes, but it seems mm-hmm. very interesting. I I would read that book. Sounds good. Yeah. All right. So that's it for this episode of Fictional Hangover. I'm Amanda. And I'm Claire. Join us next time as we discuss Heartstopper, Volume Four, by Alice Oseman. Look out for our Would You Rather polls on social media. Don't forget about our book club. Seriously, don't forget about our book club because you still have the chance to join us for Vampire Book Club this month. It is on the last Tuesday of the month. It's February 28th this time, if you're listening just as this episode comes out, at 5.15 p.m. Central Time. You can find all of that on Facebook. Back to our regularly scheduled outro. (laughs) Be sure to visit our shop on Redbubble at fictionalhangover.redbubble.com for all your favorite fictional hangover-themed merchandise and become a patron of ours on Patreon at patreon.com slash fictionalhangover. Also, you can check out that this video of this episode on Patreon. Everyone can see it right now. Go watch it and then join our Patreon. Until next time, remember, the only cure for a fictional hangover is another book. You can find us at fictionalhangover.com, follow us on Instagram at fictionalhangover, find us on Facebook at facebook.com slash fictionalhangover, and on Twitter at fictionalhangover, no E-R. If you like this episode, check out our others, and be sure to rate, review, and subscribe so you don't miss out. And finally, special thanks to Liz Emerson for her music. You can find her on Facebook and Patreon. Thanks for listening.